Lincoln Uplifter is a compelling leader who tries to breathe life and hope into people around them. Who listen and care and guide and help. Whose way of being in the world inspires. Who uplifts with humor and understanding. Who leads by example. Don't judge. Vulnerable. Bold determination. Who are here to create a better world. Who can learn and teach. Who encourages you. Who shines their light to lead other people. Who uses their best self in order to help others. I found the life that I liked and I worked toward that. We are all uplifters. Mwah. Big love. My name is Elise Hart. I'd like to nominate Yvette Johns Johnson because she's an extraordinary woman. She's been a friend for two decades, and she's that woman I go to for wonderful wisdom and deep-hearted listening. She has had a number of companies, and she has given voice to the voiceless. I hope that you enjoy her as much as I do. Welcome to the Uplifters Podcast. I'm your host, Aranza Savas, and today's guest was nominated by my dear friend, Elise Hart. I am kind of giddy now that I'm getting to talk to Yvette Jones-Johnson today. She is an award-winning empowerment educator, a community innovator, and a story strategist. She worked in network TV for 15 years, delivering stories for the world's largest media outlets, CBS, NBC, ABC, all the C's. And she used those skills to become a game changer in one of the nation's largest homeless communities, LA Skid Row. She used narrative intelligence to help hundreds of homeless job seekers recognize their worth, learn new skills, share their stories on stage, and land jobs. Today, she's the CEO of Urban Possibilities Consulting, where her mission is to pour her hard-earned wisdom into change makers. She has been recognized with the Hero Award for the Center for the Advancement for Nonviolence, the Agape International Spiritual Center, and awarded the Life Changer Award by the Rainbow Push Coalition. One of the questions I ask every woman before she comes on this show is, what do you hope people will take from your story. I don't think I've ever shared verbatim one of these answers before, but I want to read Yvette's words to you. She said, as uplifters, we are the keys to a better world. And because the stakes are so high, we often put our mission before ourselves. Yet our impact diminishes, our health suffers, And our ability to innovate can grind to a halt when we give from an empty cup. To unleash our potential and fully express our highest vision in the world, it is vital that we practice pouring into our own mind, body, and soul every day, just as we use our life force to pour into the world. Find the practices that allow you to operate from wholeness, joy, possibility, and imagination. It is key. Giving from at least a full or even better an overflowing cup 
is the real fuel that powers change. Yvette, those words, your words, your story have me kind of breathless today. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for that. Those words sound like they are gained wisdom. Hard-earned wisdom. You know, I know what it is to be fried in creating change. I know what it is to go on that path and have such high hopes and expectations for yourself. But in the course of that hero's journey, to find yourself making noble efforts, but they're wrapped in chronic tension and stress. So for me, I know what happened to myself. And there wasn't a me around to be able to help people to understand when you're making change, a lot of times it's idealized, but putting one foot in front of the other when you're creating something new, something that society needs, something that's never been thought of before, or something that there are people lobbying against, or that there is a prevailing narrative about, That is hard, hard work. And so just as you pour out into your vision every day, you got to pour into yourself. It's that crucial and important because if you don't, this is what I found. And now doing this work, I've talked to hundreds and taught hundreds of change makers. If you don't, you are on a path that is not sustainable. Because what begins to happen is that you numb out to certain things, including what's happening in your body, what's happening in your mind, to keep putting one foot in front of the other, to keep going, to keep rolling this, whatever this vision is, or this ball uphill. And so when I began to do it from a different place, which first came out of hair falling out and stomach issues and skin issues. And what I did and what a lot of people do, you have a headache, you take a Tylenol. You don't get to the source of why your head is hurting. Have you been in chronic stress, fight or flight, putting out fires too long without some serious self-care? So for me now, I realize that The tougher the issue, the more self-care I've got to pull in to be able to combat that. So I really want change makers to give from wholeness because in 12 years of working on Skid Row and creating and running urban possibilities, we did miraculous things. I saw miraculous things happen and change. But I think about what it cost me, how depleted I was. And if I had given from a place of joy, which I did sometimes, but not consistently, what difference that could have been. And so now all that hard earned wisdom, that is my thing. That is my passion is that I want change makers 
to be able to unleash their full potential in the service of their vision, but to do it from joy and wholeness and creativity, to include play, all of the things that make us tick, to understand that our mind, body, and spirit, it's a symphony. We're not cut off at the neck where we're thinking our way through things or willing our way through through things or convincing ourselves that when you give from a different place, the potential of what you can do is so much greater. Indeed. And it is so hard, I think, for so many people who are wired to give, who are rewarded for giving, to find the energy to replenish themselves. And especially when those are not habits that were formed early on. The thing that made me sit down were, or, and to really take stock were two things. I worked on Skid Row in the heart of things. COVID came. And then the second thing was I came home for a visit for my mom's birthday and she collapsed and had to have immediate heart surgery and develop complications. And I had to stay and take care of her. I really had to sit down and take stock and look at myself because now not only was I trying to evaluate how to keep myself and my team safe, but also I had to be healthy to be able to take care of my mother and get her back to health. And I realized that I was fried. But if those two events had not happened, we would have be having a very different conversation because I would have kept going. What I'm hoping people do is not wait until so, a crisis. What are the early warning signals that things are not okay? What happens in your physical body? So as I said before, you maybe you get headaches a lot or you feel constrained in your body. You feel tense. You've been in a fight or flight way too long without helping your nervous system get into rest and repair. Your internal narratives can sometimes become a little more negative. You start not having the joy you had in the beginning, but you just keep going. It's that sense of resistance or a lower engagement where we feel ourselves sort of subtly leaning back and away from what was giving us purpose because we feel like it's taking too much. And sometimes we numb out. That's what I did. So often I wasn't connected to my body and my senses I kept pushing through. That information you get from your body, I was numbing myself out to. On Skid Row, the kind of trauma, it's the highest trauma I've ever seen, where people are living on the street. They're in danger constantly, especially women. Seven out of 10 women would get attacked on the street. You are in such high stress all the time. The stories I heard every day, I had to be a container for those things. I had to establish that safe space. We did 12 weeks of a program and it was a lot of empowerment work, writing, and then we did performance training. 
And then we had theater shows. We teamed up with some of the big theaters in L.A. And I would get the students through that whole process. Now, you have to understand some people come and they are so shut down by trauma Arances, they no longer speak. They do not communicate. And in 12 weeks, you're performing on stage something you've created. Pretty miraculous stuff. But to get people through that process, I had to be the container for that. And so after we would have these shows, every show ended in a standing ovation because the stage is a miraculous place for transformation. It's just so incredible. But I would be in bed for a week, like couldn't get out of bed for a week. And I normalized that. And we can normalize anything, I feel like, as uplifters. We can push through if it's for purpose. But I think all that pushing is is exhausting in its own. It's not only exhausting, it's eventually damaging. To self and purpose, that's exactly it. That is the platform on which I stand to help people understand that you have this beautiful vision. People thought I was nuts. I was working in network TV and here I'm going down to Skid Row and then eventually gave up TV to do it full time. I was compelled and called to do that. And the excitement of my vision initially, that gives you momentum. But to sustain it. So how did you do it? My mother is my role model. She was a community activist. So I grew up in this incubator of people making a difference. And the belief was drummed into me that one person can make a difference. And my mother used to tell me, from the time I was young, you need a daily practice. So you set your rudder for the day. Now, it's taken me many years to heed that advice, but it is the core of me being able to joyfully give now. That calls forth that image of the one degree of difference by setting the rudder and really pointing it in a specific direction, a direction of of gratitude or love or whatever it is. We are creating this space for every little micro move that we make throughout the day to stay aligned and on purpose instead of pulling us back and forth and feeling like we're running out of energy just because we're not moving anywhere. And by aligning and focusing, we allow ourselves to move more in integrity. It could be as as short as 20 minutes. If you don't take that to invest in yourself, what does that say? And so what does that practice look like for you? When I open my eyes, I take three deep belly breaths. And I take that in gratitude because I know so many people who aren't here anymore that don't get to experience the beauty of this day. And then I get up and I move my body. I adore hiking. And then I try to take time during the day just to exercise my imagination. And for me, that's just taking a moment sometimes to daydream. Like in my gratitude practice as well, I give thanks for the present moment, but I also give thanks for something that I want to happen as if it's done. 
And creatively, I get to explore what that looks like and that energizes me. So that's my daily practice. And the interesting thing is how subtle that moves the needle. So you're doing it and then, you know, all of a sudden something shows up that before would have had me freaked out and I'm just calm and I'm figuring out, okay, how do we move through this? I teach narrative intelligence and that is both the internal story we live by and tell ourselves that often we are unconscious to, or it's a story that we have adopted as truth that may not be true, but we live into it. And that determines everything. It determines what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about other people, what we think we're capable of, how we interact with people. A lot of it is based in things that have happened to us in the past, and we carry it with us on our backs for years, sometimes decades. What I teach is how to be able to see that you're living into a narrative so that you can be at choice when you see it, when you're present to it, then you're at choice. How do you help people gain that conscious awareness? A simple way to do that is to journal, to be able to see what you're thinking about. But meditation also helps with that. So scientists now say that almost 50% of our day is spent in like a trance. I call it the drift. So you see a yellow flower that reminds you of your grandmother's yellow dress, and that reminds us of something our grandmother liked to cook. And then we start thinking about what we're going to eat for dinner, or then we start thinking about, and, and we're off and running. Do you know the drift I'm talking about? I get your drift, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we all, we do that. We unconsciously uh-huh. go into these drifts and we do it three, throughout the day. And a lot of that drift is driven by the past. So we're not in the present moment. And what meditation does, what even breath work does, is helps you be in the present moment. And the present moment is where you are more effective at everything at everything. When you are not in the future, in a drift, or thinking about the past. And so when you begin to meditate and you bring your thoughts down, then you can really start to see what's firing through your head. I thought you were just supposed to be void of thought. But you can also start to look at your thoughts and see what you're thinking. And when you get better at that, when you start to drift, you can be aware, you can catch yourself. So you're in traffic and somebody cuts you off and you get angry and then you carry that anger into what the next thought is or the next person. And then you start to drift into other bad drivers or bad behavior, and now you're off and running. But if you catch yourself, then you can choose what you want to put in its place instead of unconsciously letting your mind just go through this drift. 
when I teach, it's about having people do these things so that it can get in your body and in your nervous system. Because intellectualizing how meditation is helpful, how breath work is helpful, doesn't help. There is no magic wand for people to stop themselves from the drift, to heal that inner critic. The magic is the practice. The magic is embodying it to understand that it's all connected. Because when you want to know how you're thinking, check how you're feeling. So if you're feeling sad, you got sad stuff going on upstairs. Whatever you're feeling, these two work together. Our minds and our brains are not cut off at the neck, which is how I think so many, how I used to operate. I thought I could will myself through it or talk myself into it. But if I had been in really in touch with my body, my senses, how I'm feeling, it gives you data so that you can really begin to see for yourself where you really are. Self-awareness is an intimate thing where you really have to be in touch with yourself. A lot of times we're so externally focused that internally we're getting all kinds of signals that we don't pay attention to. As you said in the beginning, we numb out to ignore them because those signals are uncomfortable and they might pull us off track, which is scary. And so we push them away instead of tuning in to, I mean, I think I have come to believe that my most important job as a parent is teaching my children to listen to their body. How amazing. It is the hardest and the most personal language to learn. And yet it's only hard because to your point, that muscle has not been strengthened. We've not shown up for that conversation. And so what I hear in your story is, The magic is showing up for the conversation with ourselves. And for some people, that's scary when you've numbed out for a long time and don't realize you've numbed out for a long time. What could be there? We don't know what's there. We may worry that there are memories that we will have to face that we've avoided actively for decades. And yet, I think what you're saying is, there's not really a choice. If you don't show up, you don't get to be well. You don't get to heal. You don't get to move forward. You don't get to enjoy this short and precious life. Absolutely. And this vision you have, this calling you have to pour yourself into the world, you're not doing it fully because you're not fully integrated within yourself. How are you going to heal others when you're walking around wounded yourself? We're living in a time where we need change makers more than ever. I was a network TV. I had worked incredibly hard to be in the spaces I was in, particularly as a Black woman. And so I thought my calling was really to tell stories with integrity. I told myself that was my calling, but it was not. And so I would dream about what I would do someday, one day. That's what I tell the students. You know that someday, one day thing? That thing that won't let you alone? 
that thing you keep talking yourself out of? Like for me, it was, so how am I going to live in LA, do the things that we wanted to do with me working on Skid Row? Like, how's that going to happen? So that's what I would tell myself to talk myself out of it. And I would say someday, one day though, But when I stepped into that calling, not knowing how it was going to come out, not knowing what was going to happen, but when I stepped out into it, my real life showed up that is this all there is? It went away. My life is unrecognizable today than when I was in television even though made a lot more money, but my level of purpose, my calling and who I am are now merged. Like how beautiful does that feel? You know how that feels when who you are and your calling and your work are one. Oh my goodness, it gives you wings, girl. It is an innate sense of energy. And one of the things that that I heard you talk about here is the power of your daily practices. And so as we start to round out this conversation, I'm going to put you on a spot a little bit here and ask you if you would be willing to lead us through a minute or so of breathing and reflection based on the practices that you use so that we can all experience this alongside you. Sure. So we'll do a little breath work, easy breath work. Now, here's the thing to understand is that first, just notice how you're sitting or what your posture is and how you're breathing. Are you breathing shallow? Is it up in your chest? Are you a little hunched over? Are you not sitting up straight? Because physiology does matter. Your body signals your brain. So you want to notice how your breath is. And then you want to sit with your spine straight. Feel like your feet are rooted through the floor. And then you want to just take three deep breaths. So just take in three deep breaths through your nose because your nose has a filtration system that filters the air versus your mouth. I like to hold for a second at the top and then out through your nose. Breathe in through your nose again. Hold for a beat and then out through your nose. And one more, breathe in and out. And then take one more breath in deep and open your mouth and let it out. So that's basic breathing space. There's also one of the things I teach is some people call it battle breathing. Others call it box breathing. Breathe in for a count of four. 
hold for a count of four, exhale for a count of four, and then hold the breath out for a count of four. So let's do that. Breathe in through your nose. One, two, three, four. Hold one, two, three, four. Breathe out. One, two, three, four. And hold. One, two, three, four. So you do those, you repeat those so that your body starts to get used to it. It gets, those things start to get wired into your nervous system. And here's the great thing about just breathing is that not only does it help you expand in your body, it helps you expand in your mind. There is an expansion that happens all the way through this breathing is crucial. We begin our lives with breath. When this life is over, we end our life with our last breath. But in between those two events, the breathing, the intentional breathing that we do can help release us in so many ways. But if you don't know that, and you don't use that. It's like a computer you don't turn on. So we have all of this equipment inside of us. And just like going to the gym, if you use these muscles, they get stronger and they serve you. But if not, they can lay dormant forever. And breath work, as I mentioned before, it is such an easy ramp to meditation when you start to breathe and expand your body and your mind. And belly breathing is very important because, you know, your diaphragm is below your ribs. And when we breathe in, taking it in from our chest, our diaphragm moves up. But when we belly breathe, our diaphragm moves down and we can take in more air. And, you know, there is a, an analogy I like to use that when you are, it's like an athlete. Some athletes are very powerful because they know how to take in air. Like I was a runner and I struggled with breathing. But when I learned how to take in more air, my body worked more efficiently and my runs were better. So that's just one of the many things that we have already inside of us that we can begin to use to perform at a higher level. But you got to do the work. We have to show up for ourselves and do the work with the same integrity and commitment that we do everyone for everyone and everything else. And what I love about these practices that you've shared with us today is that we can do them anytime, anywhere. And as we discussed, it's so powerful to build a practice around continuously showing up for ourselves in this way. So for those of you listening, in the show notes, we will share links to some of these ideas, links to Yvette's work so that you can join one of her classes or workshops, as well as some other tools and resources that you can use to continue exploring this innate superpower that you possess to care for yourself so that you can keep caring for everyone 
and everything. Your wellness, financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally matters. Absolutely. And so here's one other thing I want to say about breathing, if I can, is you can put breathing space in anywhere. You're in a meeting that doesn't go your way or is heated or stressful. Put some breathing space in there. Doesn't have to be just in the morning. Use it as a tool throughout your day. You're in traffic. You're running late. You're stressed about whatever it is. Just breathe. Intentionally put some breathing space in there so that you can oxygenate your body, which helps you perform better. Thank you for these words of wisdom. Thank you for sharing your journey and your experience with all of us. Uplifters, head over to theupplifterspodcast.com where you'll hear more from Yvette as well as lots of other uplifters. And by signing up and sharing your email address, you'll receive newsletters from me every week with tools, research, ideas that you can use in your own life to nurture your essential wellness. Thank you for the work you do in the world, Uplifters. Thank you, Yvette. For the work you do in the world. Let's keep rising higher together. And thank you for the work you do in the world too. Thank you for listening to the Uplifters podcast. If you're getting a boost from these episodes, please share them with the Uplifters in your life and then join us in conversation over at the upliftherspodcast.com. Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast and like, follow, and rate our show. It'll really help us connect with more uplifters and it'll ensure you never miss one of these beautiful stories. Mwah! Big love. Painted water sunshine with rosemary and tongue. Dwell in the perplexing, though you find it vexing. Toss a star and hover. Be your own best lover. Relish in a new prime. Plant a tree in springtime. Dance with idle hindsight. Bring the sun to twilight. Lift you up. Whoa. Lift you up. Whoa. Lift you up Mommy, stop crying. Mommy, stop crying. You're disturbing the peace.